0: This is the Locked On Marlins podcast, your go-to podcast on all things Miami Marlins. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a longtime Marlins writer, as well as the founder of JustBaseball.com. And today, we're going to talk about the Marlins series ahead against the Braves, because unfortunately, we got rained out today of the finale against the Phillies. And also, a little bit on some of the newcomers, two former San Francisco Giants on this Marlins team that made their debut in that Phillies series, and both made their presence known. Joe Panic, a more well-known name who already had his Marlins legacy game with what he did to Philadelphia in that Marlins debut. And then a less known name that I had a few people tweeting at me, who the hell is Steven O'Kurt? And I was like, I know him vaguely from when he was a prospect in 2016, but I don't know much on him other than that. What I can say is he was a pretty highly regarded prospect, probably a top 10 prospect or even top six or seven in in the Giants system at one point in 2016-2017, he was pretty darn nasty through the minor leagues in his entire career with a good fastball and a wipeout slider that he would sometimes manipulate to a cutter and always had good command. That worked for him through his minor league career and he was Pretty solid. He hit a little bit of a wall when he got to AAA and was a bit inconsistent in the major leagues, but has stayed around for a while. And the Marlins picked him up after a bad year in 2019 where he struggled in triple A for the Giants. But now this year has been really good for the Marlins in triple A, closed four ball games, picked up four saves, and pitched to a 1.8 ERA. So a good, good season so far. In triple A, also punched out 29 against just four walks. And what's interesting too is the splits. He is really consistent this year against both lefties and righties. It's not the biggest sample size ever, but 20 innings is not the smallest sample size for a reliever. And righties hit just a buck 82 against him, 18 Ks in 44 at bats. Lefties 167 against him with a lot less power, only a 360 OPS, 12 Ks in 30 at bats. So really good against guys from both sides of the plate. I was thinking at first, you know, with a slider fastball combination, maybe he struggles a bit more against righties. Not so much. He's been really darn good. He's only given up two extra base hits all year in AAA, and he looked really solid in that outing for the Marlins. So maybe another bullpen piece here. And that could, that could make Ross Detweiler expendable, or the Marlins could decide to go with another lefty, which I would prefer that. Detweiler actually been pretty good. But if the Marlins decide to sell, then Detweiler could be somebody that could be packaged with another reliever or another player that could get you a sneaky decent return and you don't have to worry about who's going to be your next lefty when you have O'Kurt who might be able to be a legitimate guy for you. He's 29 years old but is controllable and cheap and could be an option. I like the fact that the Marlins have seemingly been able to develop a lot of relievers as well. We've seen how they've been able to develop starting pitchers and that's why I'm not too upset about the Marlins potentially trading away relievers. Uh, I don't think that it's a big deal especially when you are able to develop a lot of the middle relief guys like you have if you're the Marlins yes you got to keep some of them because the bullpen has still been a bit inconsistent in high leverage situations but I still believe firmly that you have to get a veteran for those high leverage situations and not an Anthony Bass veteran not a Yemi Garcia veteran a legitimate Mark Melanson type of closer if you really are serious about winning that's the one spot I look at closer as I look at kicker in football. To me, it is of course a ton about having great stuff and kicker. It's about having a great leg but a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is mental and that's why you see guys that are not great in the ninth, but spectacular in the 8th and that's why you also see a lot of closers struggle when it's not a safe situation because they don't have that adrenaline they don't have that right mindset and they end up giving up a few runs. So the fact that closer is mental I think is even more so a reason why you got to get a veteran and an experienced guy and not just say, oh this guy's got great stuff he can just close out the ninth maybe that guy may have the mental wherewithal to do that but you're going to be playing a little bit of a guessing game on who might be able to do that because it's hard to be able to determine who can handle that closer role and clearly somebody like Anthony Bass cannot and Yimmy Garcia is a bit inconsistent in that role as well so let's talk a little Joe Panic Joe Panic has as good of a game as you can have in your debut. Goes two for four. He also drew a walk, so got on base three times. A home run with two strikes off of Aaron Nola, which seemed to be the beginning of Nola starting to unfold. So that was great. Also, piled in another single, totaling two RBI on the day. So a great debut for Joe Panic. And I'm not expecting Joe Panic to be a 400 hitter for the Marlins this year or even a 300 hitter for the Marlins this year and be a mega impact bat. But the good news is for the fish is that they don't have to worry about Devin Marrero and Luis Marte holding down the fort until July 27th, which is when the Marlins will presumably get Brian Anderson back. The season could be lost by then, it could. But we're not really thinking about it from that perspective. You should be thinking about it as just how can you have your best team moving forward? And until you get to Brian Anderson's return, I think swapping out Corey Dickerson And as I talked about in the last podcast for a bat that can help you in the infield, that is undoubtedly an upgrade over anybody you have in triple a besides Bryson Brigman. I don't know why they refuse to call that poor guy up. Just let him play. I don't understand that one. That that's the only thing. If the Marlins didn't have Brigman, I'd even be even more gung ho about Joe panic, but still the left-handed bat off the bench. Again, I talk about how the Marlins just don't have legitimate options off the bench. And right now panic can play third and be a legitimate guy for the Marlins that can be good enough. to hold down the fort until Brian Anderson and then be a good depth piece as a lefty bat off the bench. I love it for the Marlins, and you can't ask for a much better debut from Joe Panic than that. So we'll see how he's used moving forward, but it's a good little added versatility for the team and a nice little boost, especially since Corey Dickerson wasn't going to be back for a couple more weeks. The tough news for the Marlins is that their game that was scheduled for Thursday earlier today, as I record this at 11 p.m., was canceled. And while that doesn't seem like a big deal, or not canceled, I should say postponed. But the reason why it's a big deal is because Pablo Lopez, instead of pitching against a Phillies team that he has been very good against in his career and this season, now has to pitch most likely against a Braves team that he has been very bad against. And it has not been good for him against Atlanta. This year alone, he has a 12.86 ERA, 15 hits in 7 innings, 10 earned runs, 3 home runs, and it wasn't much better for him last year. It was a little bit better for him last year, but overall... Not great for Pablo Lopez against the Braves, who are one of the best teams in baseball hitting changeups, which Pablo Lopez loves to throw, and I've talked about that quite a bit. So the Marlins are going to have to probably put up runs in that Pablo Lopez start, and I'll talk about who they will presumably be facing and how the Marlins look rolling into that series at Atlanta and how the Braves have been doing getting ready to host the Marlins in that series in just a minute, and then I'm also going to discuss an update on on the Marlins farm system, who could be getting moved up soon and what it means for the future of this team who's been performing well and who has been struggling. All of that coming up in a moment. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to use their easy to navigate website to find whatever car parts you need, any make or model. Why spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts, like a Honda Odyssey fuel pump, for example? That costs $353 from the chain store. It's only $260 at rockauto.com. So, Why go anywhere else? They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even that new carpet. Definitely check out the website, which is, again, so easy to navigate. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts they have available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us section so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Also brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Online. get all the latest news odds and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device to check out all of the great sporting news. Sign up for bonuses and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code LOCKDON that's one word locked on and you will be good to go for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts so let's talk a little bit about these games ahead the Marlins will have to deploy Pablo against the Braves and that should be an adventure and the Braves will be deploying Drew Smiley who's actually been pretty darn good over his last three starts he went five innings six hits two earned against the Marlins last time out Followed that up with five and two thirds of one hit ball against the Cardinals, who are very good against left-handed pitchers. And then again, another really good outing against Cincinnati at Cincinnati, which is a hitter's park, goes six innings, six hits, one earned run, no walks, three Ks. So he's been very good over his last three starts, including one against the Marlins, and it should be a tough matchup for them in that one. Game two will be Zach Thompson, most likely against Kyle Muller, so that should be a unique matchup where I think is not that great, personally. I don't think he's a great pitching prospect for the Braves, and he has not impressed me from what I've seen in AAA, what I've seen in the big leagues, and that should be an opportunity where the Marlins can hit. But also, Zach Thompson needs to follow up that Incredible last start. Can he show that it wasn't a fluke and that the usage and his stuff and that curveball can play? Uh, he's the type of pitcher, he looked really good against the Braves at home, but now they're getting their second look at him. How is he going to do? Well, the interesting thing is, since that start against the Braves, he changed his pitch usage a little bit. He was using the curveball more. He incorporated that change up a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see how he utilizes his stuff. But if it's a little bit different from that last start, he could keep the Braves off balance again. So that'll be interesting. And then you have Sandy Alcantara against Charlie Morton. That'll be a battle of two of the better pitchers on each team. Morton's been throwing it well as of late. Sandy, not his best over the last couple starts, but usually after a couple shaky for Sandy's standards, shaky starts, he settles in and breaks the chain. So three games set against the Braves, and then the Marlins will prepare for four against the Dodgers. A quick jump over to the minor leagues where the Marlins had a pretty good day throughout the system. And as I was recording this, Griffin Conine goes yard for his fourth game in a row. That gives him 16, 16 bombs on the season. That's tied for the minor league lead in all of the minors. 16, no strikeouts in his last two games. That's a big thing to watch. Strikeout rate now down to 35%, which, of course, you want to see it get lower than that. He needs to get below 30%. But he seems like he's figuring it out. He hasn't struck out in a couple games. He's homered in four straight. He's walking as he consistently has. A lot of good things from Griff. He went yard oppo again, too. He's got power to all fields. It's pretty absurd what he's able to do power-wise. And it's got to be a matter of time before they move him up to Pensacola. Let's see what he can do in Pensacola. I think he's ready for the call-up to double-A, but maybe they want to let him continue as he's hot right now over this stretch. But 16 is crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. That gives him 38 over his last 131 games. 38 jacks over his last 131 games, that's a lot of power. And if he's able to cut down the strikeouts just a little bit, that's big league pop that's going to play. I mean, 38 and only 130 games is pretty absurd. So good things over there from the Marlins system. I still can't believe he came over in just a Jonathan VR rental trade. That's still the craziest thing ever to me. The Blue Jays and the Marlins seem to have some good dialogue in terms of trades. Some other notables across the Marlins minor leagues. Jake Eater had his first human appearance, but he settled in. He was a little bit shaky out of the start and then was solid after that, which is a great, great sign from him. And that's what I love about Jake Eater is he seems to have the poise. He seems to make those improvements as his outings go on. So very impressive from Eater. He ends up going five innings, two hits, no runs, 5Ks. In a loss, unfortunately, for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, who scored zero runs, and we know that that offense can stall out because Bladé has been inconsistent. Burdick has swung it well at times, but still has his offers and has not been spectacular overall in the grand scheme of things he's had some flashes of really hitting for power but he has not been really hitting for average and that's going to be something where you need to see Burdick make enough contact he's a great athlete if he puts the ball in play a bit more he's going to beat out some ground balls I know power is his calling card and that's great and that's going to be a big part of his game but I think he gets a little bit too pull happy at times and it compromises his approach and his ability to make consistent contact Connor Scott finally getting healthy again. I think he went through a little bit of a bad stretch because he was dealing with some injuries. Three for six, a pair of runs driven in as well. Kyle Nicholas turned in a really good start. Six innings, four hits, two earned runs, a walk in seven Ks. Big thing for Nicholas is that command. If he is able to harness that command, the fastball is electric. The breaking ball is nasty. A great sign to see him strike out seven and only walk one. Nicholas, I got to see him a ton in the Cape. I've seen him have some of the most electric stuff you'll see. It's just harnessing it. He's a big body, effortless velo, so I'm eager to see how he continues to develop. The guy that has been incredible right out of the gate has been Zach McCambly. I tweeted this out earlier today, but among qualified pitchers in all of the minor leagues, there are only three with a K percentage above 30% and a walk rate under 3%. Shane Baz of the Tampa Bay Rays has a 39.9% K rate and a 2.9% walk rate. He has been one of the best pitchers in all of the minor leagues this year and really should be in the major leagues right now. He's going to help the Rays big time. They have so many prospect reinforcements coming up. They're still my pick out of the AL. Zach McCambly comes in at number two with a 32.1% K rate and a minuscule 2.3% walk rate. Then the third is Caleb Killian of the Giants, 31.6% K rate, 2.4% walk rate. Only three pitchers. Think about all the incredible pitchers in the minor leagues. Only three pitchers in the minor leagues are walking that few of hitters while still striking out as many as they are. I mean, that's the two things that you want to do the most as a pitcher. Strike out as many as possible without walking many. It's great news to see something like that. And McCambly, another guy that played on that same Cape team as Kyle Nicholas, One of the best curveballs I saw in the Cape. Probably the best curveball I saw in the Cape. The fastball has ticked up a little bit, now closer to the mid-90s. We got to see that changeup develop a bit more, but he said he's working on it. And the fact that he's able to command so well is a really, really good sign. So a lot of positives around this Marlins system, and that's the good news. I know we're tired of hearing about the farm system in terms of how much talent they have. And we want to see it translate to the major league level. Jose Salas, by the way, as well, three for five in the FCL. That is a great sign. I think that kid can really swing it. I don't think he's sticking it short. He's a little bit too big. He's already filling out a lot. I don't know if he's going to move that well, but he is spectacular with the bat. And I think that's going to translate. Also, Max Meyer, pitches his way onto the futures game roster. That is very exciting. If you look at the names on that futures game roster, it is loaded on both teams. So it'll be fun to see Max Meyer compete against some of the best prospects in baseball coming up in that all-star weekend. I'll actually be out there in Denver for just baseball.com. so I'm excited to provide some coverage on that uh, Futures game, on the Derby, and on the All-Star game. So that should be a lot of fun seeing Max Meyer out there. Also, Osiris Johnson with his first home run of the year. That's good. <laughs> that is good stuff as well. I'd say I'm very much out on him, but I would love to be wrong about that one, so hopefully he can put it together. The thing is, he does have age on his side, so hopefully he can keep it rolling. The Marlins will look to keep it rolling after a nice win over the Phillies. In game two of that series, with game three getting rained out and postponed to the other side of the All-Star break, the Marlins will try to make it two in a row as they take on the Braves. It's a series they got to win. We said before, it's do or die July. they got a few weeks to prove to this front office that they can win or else we're going to start seeing the Marlins sell off some of those assets. They will end up bolstering a already insane farm system, so it'll be interesting to see if they do trade the Aguilars, the Yimmy Garcias, the Adam Duvals and then maybe even, I hope not, but Starling Marte and Miguel Rojas, what kind of prospect capital they can get and then start to use some of those prospects to go get some bigger name players that are controllable for the future as I talked about with Ketel Marte who's on the shelf now but that could be something they potentially do. I think it's a little bit of a one step forward one step back move if you trade away Rojas or Marte and I think you have enough prospects to put something together. I would understand though if they went to trade Aguilar as he's not a part of the long term future as I think Lewin Diaz can man first base moving forward and also I could understand trading Adam Duvall as the Marlins will undoubtedly turn down that seven million dollar mutual option next year, so you might be able to get a return there. I would also understand trading Yemi Garcia because the Marlins don't really need a multi-million dollar reliever when he's not going to be their clear-cut closer and they have enough guys that can man the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings, I think, right now. They just really need that closer, as I talked about earlier. So it'll be interesting to see what the Marlins do. I think that they can sell a little bit without trading guys like Miguel Rojas and some of those other players. I just don't see how it's worth it. That's something, to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense. And as we get closer to that, hopefully it's not going to be something that we discuss because the Marlins start turning it around. But if we do... That'll be something that, you know, I'll be diving deep into as always. Thank you for listening. We got the brave series ahead. I look forward to talking about it with you and we will talk Marlins tomorrow.